So I'm, I'm going to introduce this because Stephen does all the preaching. <laughs> so, um, so we were part of this church for 17 years from the year, <clears throat> um, I don't even know, 83, yes. Um, but we left here 17 years ago to go and work in France. So we went as missionaries originally to the north of France with our three children, uh, John 7, Ruth, no, Rachel 11 and Ruth 13, not speaking a word of French. So that has been a great adventure. So they're all grown up now, left home, two of them married. And we have two grandchildren. So Sarah, or Sacha, who is two and a half. So Rachel's married to a Frenchman, which is why she's called Sacha or Sarah. And uh, Eli, that's his name in English, but his real name is Eli which means Elijah in French, but they don't want to call him Elijah in English. So he's called Eli in English. Don't ask me why, but that's just how it is. And I have the great privilege of being a paid nanny to my grandchildren. So it is a fabulous system. It is a... (laughs) It is a great joy. It truly is a great joy. Way back in the day, I was uh, a primary school teacher with uh, Kate and Max in the same school. So just having that joy of being with small children again, I love it. I'm really enjoying my job. Um, so 10 years ago, we moved to Paris to pastor the church there in Paris. Um, as many of you will know, we spent two years in Bethel. So we came back last May uh, from Bethel. Um, and so we've been back pastoring the church in Paris since then. So I don't think there's anything more to say, except just a word that I felt God speak to me. So for some people, you'll, you'll recognize this. So way back, before we moved to France, there was a prophetic word given to the church that this was an Antioch church. And at the time, we saw that as meaning that it was a church that needed to send people out because from, it was from Antioch that Barnabas and Paul were sent out. And that was something that happened. There was a season where people were sent out from this church, not just Stephen and I, but other people. And um, so I was really surprised when God said to me, talk about them being an Antioch church. So I'm like, Okay, I don't feel that that's the season, the season of sending out. So what does that mean? What are you saying about them still being an Antioch church? And so I I did quite a lot of research um, because I was not confused, but I was like intrigued. What is is God really saying? Um, And what I discovered is that Antioch, the church in Antioch, came out of the persecution in Jerusalem. And so when the Christians fled Jerusalem, which was a Jewish city, they ended up in Antioch as they moved up, which was a multicultural church, a multicultural city, uh, densely populated with many different religions in it. And I thought, well, is that not Leeds? And uh, they spoke many languages. So you have many, many different nations in your city today, very different from when we were here 
Um, in fact, that was one of the things that intrigued me because when we were here, there weren't that many foreigners, not in comparison to today. And um, what I discovered as I was reading was that Antioch was an important city, a city of business. It was a city that had many different nations coming to it. And I thought, that is what is happening here at the moment. And, um, and one of the things I discovered is that the most significant way that the church in Antioch was planted was not through an evangelist or a great ministry. It was actually through the individual people sharing their faith wherever they went. And that's what I felt God was saying for you today, that when he's talking about you being an Antioch church today, he's talking about you being placed in a multicultural city, in a place where many desperate people are coming, and where he's calling you as Freedom Church to bring freedom on an individual basis, sharing your faith, sharing who you are, and not being afraid to actually speak out the name of Jesus. Antioch was where they were first called Christians. And as I dug into that, I discovered that whereas we thought, oh, I thought, oh, they were called Christians because they were Christ believers. What I discovered was that in the Antioch city, they'd actually built walls around each um, different sort of culture. So there was the Jewish quarter, there was the Greek quarter, and there was actual walls built around And when the Christians started to produce their culture, the powers that be, I can't remember what they were called, realized that they were pulling from all different cultures and all different nations, but they needed an identity for these people because they weren't the Jews and they weren't the Greeks and they weren't whatever else. And so they were actually called Christians to produce an identity for this group of people who were being formed from all these other groups of people. And I just found that fascinating. I just thought, you know, we, sometimes we don't know our own, our own inheritance and where we actually come from. And so they were saying, this is your identity. You are Christians, you are Christ believers. So in amongst all of these different nations, not that you're not still from the Jewish nation or from the Greek nation, but your identity is now in Christ. And that is who we are. We are our identity is in Christ. And we're all called to give witness of who we are and to bring that witness to the many nations, the many cultures, the many languages that we can touch in this city. God has placed you in this city, and he's bringing people to this city so that you can reach them. There you go. I've been saying to people already this morning, it's amazing for Lynn and I to come back here. Absolutely amazing, because we see people who basically we, we met 34 years ago. <laughs> it makes me feel old. Um, but, you know, 17 years in the church, then 17 years in France, so do the maths, and here we are again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's wonderful, and uh, such faithfulness here. And I did not know what Lynn was going to share. 
So um, this is what I receive for you guys. And uh, at one level, it's quite simple because obviously it's clear that everybody knows that you changed the name. And we had several names during those 17 years and it did evolve. And of course, it's Freedom Church. But I just heard the Spirit saying that because you call Freedom Church, the actual root of that was from the heart of God himself, that God has chosen you to bring freedom to other people. And so this morning I was struck by the number of times we were ringing, reading, singing about having a heart that was free, uh, a prayer for that, about boldly going and bringing freedom. And um, I just want to really uh, make this declaration over you. God is preparing you this year to bring freedom to people's lives. And I saw that freedom being in different areas. So I actually wrote down and wished to quote myself. Um, This includes freedom from sin, from debt, from the demonic, but also includes physical freedom from pain, sickness, and disease. So prepare for Holy Spirit to take you on a healing journey this year that leads people to freedom. I am so sure you are all called to that. And this is a word to add to other words. I have got written down (laughs) freedom from sin, debt, from the demonic. So I'm actually talking about deliverance when I say that, to be really clear about what I'm saying. Uh, But also includes physical freedom from pain, sickness and disease. So praise the Lord. So in one sense, if you will allow this, today there's going to be an element of training for things to come. And uh, I want to base what I'm saying in Matthew 8, if you want to follow along. I am going to only read from Matthew 8, but I'm going to jump a few verses just to hit the key ones that I want to emphasize. So we're going to start in verse 2, Matthew 8, 2. Um, and three, and then I'll jump to five, and so on. I'll let you know as we get there. So if you want to follow with me or read, that's all good. Let's read the word of God together. Matthew 8, verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him, Jesus, and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes and that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Just verse 13 next. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Last two verses, 16 and 17. When evening came... Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. 
This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. And I'd just like to pray. So just let's pray together. Lord, we know that this is a living word. We know that it was blown and breathed on by the Holy Spirit himself. And we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to take what you inspired and breathe it over our lives today. We're asking for help to both speak it and hear it, to receive it into our hearts like you tell us to. We are genuinely, sincerely asking for an inspiration that will equip us to do things differently from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Yes, God. So as you can see from the text I've chosen, I'm going to be majorly talking about healing. And I'm really referring to physical healing when I say that, but you know it extends into other areas. And I, I want to start with what we read in the first couple of verses, where everybody's familiar with the scenario of the leper coming to Jesus and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean or pure, depending on the translations. And I know that you know Jesus' answer. That is not news to you when he says, I am willing, be clean. But... Um, What I discovered through listening to other teaching on this and so on is that that Greek answer of Jesus is actually, can be translated at least in a much stronger way than simply, I am willing. It can legitimately be translated as, um, that is what I came for. That's my heart's desire. That's what I dream of. That's the very purpose I came for. It's as strong as that, his willingness. And so I just want everybody to kind of grasp this sense of if you've got anything wrong with you or if you know anybody who is in need of a touch from Jesus, that you would be able to say in your heart of hearts, I just know that God is so willing to heal. That is such an important start point for us to have rooted in who we are and what we believe. God is so willing to heal. In fact, because Mark's been doing his showmanship thingy, which I loved, I loved, I loved. um, I think it would be great if you could just say with me, God is so willing to heal me. Can we just say that together? God is so willing to heal me. I just think that's just a great truth to have anchored into our hearts and minds. And um, we'll, we'll take it on from there. So he's so willing to heal me. But then, it's, again, it may be obvious at one level, but in that context, it simply says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. And I heard the Holy Spirit saying, that's what Jesus is going to do again today. He is here to touch people. And the great news is, Jesus never changes. So if he was willing back then, he's willing today. And if he touched people back then, he touches people today. I mean, that's not rocket science. I acknowledge that. But there's something has to get rooted with a childlike simplicity in our hearts to say Jesus loves to touch people to bring healing. He just loves doing that. So we just have to say, yeah, that is just true. And he's here and he's going to touch people today. So there is a great power in declaration. And, um, and I love them. And there's, Lynn knows this. There's like a, 
I don't know whether to call it a poetical side to me. I think I mentioned it last time I come. But I do actually like writing poetry. And I like it when it rhymes. I'm so sorry for all of you who like the random stuff, which is probably great. But rhyming does something for me. So just this is a really simple one. Um, God will touch me and set me free. He will touch me and set me free. And if you're ill today, I just love you to say that. God will touch me and set me free. It's just a truth. Jesus, thank you for that truth. He'll touch me and set me free. So, um, it's always God's will to heal. And he's here to touch people. Thank you for that, Lord. And we know that humanly, um, sometimes we have more faith for smaller things to be healed than what we think are bigger things to be healed. And so, possibly, if there was a leper in the room today, we might be a little bit more intimidated by that and think, oh, that's a bit of a harder thing to heal than someone who's got back pain or something else. And equally, if there was a person who was paralyzed and in great suffering, which is what it says in the text, we might think, wow, that will take like a a very great touch of God to do something about that. But you know that that's human reasoning and that's not how God sees. Because God sees himself as I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. And I, he has spoken over his people and said, I will remove sickness from the midst of you. I'll just remove it. That's who he is and what he wants to do. So that includes all sickness of every description. I mean, the leper was dying slowly. The person paralyzed was in great suffering. So probably compared to that, most of us, whatever's going wrong in our lives, it's probably inferior to that. We probably have lesser degrees of pain or suffering than they had. And the great news is God deals with this. This is his domain. He is such a specialist. He's the creator who knows exactly how to restore. And uh, I just want to give you some testimonies. Two weeks ago, Lynn and I were in the north of France. We were in a place called Tourcoing. And uh, we were uh, speaking on healing there. And I asked how many people needed a touch from God. And it was about two-thirds of the church. So looking at the numbers, I was like, all right, we're going to do this a little differently. We'll just lay hands on each other and a few instructions. It doesn't matter. And then we took testimonies. And it was wonderful because people were saying, well, I couldn't bend over before and I can do that now. I had this pain before. This pain has left my body. I couldn't do this. I can. And, and it went on like that. And um, we'd also given words of knowledge. And I, I, I will say a bit more about that in a minute. Because words of knowledge are so powerful because they co- they're coming directly from heaven and they carry divine power. And so God had said to me, I'm going to heal varicose veins. This was the first time I'd ever said this in a church. And I realized I didn't know how to say it in French. <laughs> So I'm thinking, can I say Ven Varicose? And then I'm like, I really don't think I can. So fortunately, I had time to look it up. And I know Sarah really wants to know because she loves French. (laughs) Yeah. So Sarah, it's Varis. There you are, Varis. And she will remember that. I could come back in a year and she'll know that word. It's incredible. And so Varis is the key word that I... And to my real surprise, no, but genuinely... 
out of maybe maybe a hundred people, there were like at least ten who came to me at the end and said, "Well, I've got varicose veins," and and three of them were young guys. I'm like, "Do young guys get varicose veins? Not in my day, <laughs> but but today they do." So anyway, that was just great fun hearing from heaven, praying for people, seeing pain go, and so on. And um, but I was telling a story to Mark yesterday, and Mark, I think I've told this story here before. But you didn't remember it. So I'm going to ask this question. Does anyone remember from last time when I talked about what happened in Bethel when Lynn and I were there? And uh, a guy called Joaquin Evans asked us to um, ask the Holy Spirit what was happening in the room. And I saw some angels. You're nodding. Some of you remember that. Yeah. Oh, tell us again. That's only the person who can't remember who's saying that. Because it was so life-changing for me, it is worth me saying. So I'll keep it a bit shorter, because some of them remember it. Um, we were in a training group on responding to the Holy Spirit. And the leader simply said, just ask Holy Spirit what he's doing in the room. It was as simple as that. And so we just took a moment. Lord, what are you doing in the room? And in my inner being and not with my physical eyes, I saw angels who seemed to have very large recipients and they were pouring them out. And I didn't know what, it looked like oil in the spirit, but I didn't know what it meant. So I asked, Lord, I don't understand what I'm seeing. And he said, that's oil for healing joints. I want to heal joint pain. So I thought, okay, at least I understand that. So then Joaquin is called, said, all right, who's seen what? Put my hand up, shared what he said. But the context, remember, we're in Bethel, which has healing all the time everywhere. So honestly, my thought process was, there's maybe 60 people in the room. They all look young and healthy to me. What's the chance of many of them having joint pain, like young, fit people? That would, honestly, I thought that. But Joaquin said, we're going to see if this is true, basically. So he said, who's got joint pain and needs healing? And about 20 of them put their hands up, which was astonishing to me. So he said, right, we're just going to say a simple prayer. Uh, joint pain go in Jesus' name because angels are in, releasing oil now. I mean, the prayer lasted 10 seconds. And then he said, so test yourself and put your hand up if you've been healed. And it looked to me like every single one of them put their hand up and said, I've been healed. It was an incredible moment for me because I realized, wow, if I'll just tune into Holy Spirit, I'll get so much more done so much faster. <laughs> wow, come on, learn the lesson. And so it was just exciting. And wherever we're going, we're seeing testimonies of healing. So. You have read with me this morning about this centurion who we really should pay attention to because Jesus says, hey guys, I have not seen anyone with faith like that in the whole of Israel. So that means that there's something going on in this guy that actually, if we can get hold of it, then Jesus is going to look at us and say, whoo, you've got great faith if we can imitate it. So what, you know, if I distill it down, the first thing the centurion says is this, if you say the word, Jesus, then my servant will be healed. That's really the heart of it. 
But then he goes on to explain why he believes that. And it just comes from actually really ordinary things. I mean, it really is, again, I think, simple. So two things led him to that conclusion. The first was his own experience in life. In other words, he saw that when he spoke an order, that it actually produced something. So he could say to a servant, go, come. He could say to a soldier, etc. And he saw... And it wasn't rocket science that they simply did what he told them to do. So that was his life experience. But then the reason that he had maybe thought it through a little bit more was he understood why they obeyed him, which was because he himself had placed himself under authority. So he'd made that choice. Good morning. And in that choice... He had decided that he would also submit to superior authority and instructions. So you could argue that when he told a soldier to do something, it was because ultimately he was trying to do what Caesar had told him to do. I mean, not directly, but you get the chain of command. So he knew that that gave him authority. As long as he stayed under that authority and wasn't rebelling against it, then that gave him authority to speak and to see things happen. So he then looked at Jesus' life and came to the same conclusion. That man, Jesus, he's under authority. I mean, he's just doing what God tells him to do. And that just gives him authority to speak a word that has all of heaven's backing. All of heaven's backing, because it's totally lined up with heaven. And that's why my experience over the last two to three years in particular has been, and it's not the only way to heal, but just hear me out. That's why I love words of knowledge that come from heaven. Because what's happening is, we as Christians are just aligning ourselves and submitting ourselves. And what we're saying in a sense is this, God, we can't heal, not of ourselves, our own strength. But you're the healer, and what you're asking us to do is just line up with what you're saying and wanting to do. So a word of knowledge is like both things. It's first, this is what I want to do today, God God speaking. And secondly, it's the specific word that contains divine authority. When we were in the healing rooms in Bethel, we, people would come in. I, I, I don't have time to go through the whole process they went through. But basically, we were handed a sheet of paper in the Bethel healing rooms as teams of two or three people. And the sheet of paper had all their details on, and then it had what was wrong with them written on, so that the teams would know what to pray. I mean, it's again, this is logical stuff. But we decided in our team, we don't want to read that paper. We want to know the person's name. But we don't want to read what's wrong with them. Could I have your piece of paper, please? Thank you. Face down on the floor, on the table. Because now what we're going to do is listen to God. And we're going to ask God to tell us what's wrong with you and what needs healing. And I'm telling you, that is more scary. (laughs) Because 
for a number of reasons. Because these people have come thinking, wow, Bethel healing rooms. These people are powerful. (laughs) They do. They come thinking that. They think these people have a hotline to God and they know everything. And you're there thinking, God, speak to me, tell me something. And we had to say to people, we don't always get this right. I mean, we really had to be very vulnerable and say, we're going to listen. And we went, I I went on a two year journey of listening to God and getting it right. I don't don't even want to put a percentage on it. I'm just going to say some of the time, getting it right some of the time. But I... What, what we all completely saw was this. Every time we got it right, every time the person was healed. When we heard and said it, so the person knew we had heard from God, they knew it. Because they saw us put the sheet down. There was no cheating. <laughs> when they saw we'd heard and then we spoke, that said to their own hearts... Oh, that, that's God then. So, so, so now, if God said it, it must, it, then it must happen. And it really didn't matter what it was. I remember for one guy, I just said, um, have you got a problem with your, with your throat? And he said, yeah, that's exactly what I've come in for. I'm having problems with swallowing, with etc. And it, the, pre- the, the other thing was the prayer was so quick. It was like, well, God's shown us it, so you will be healed when we pray. And then he was, and then it was next, please. I mean, it, it, no, it really was a two-minute thing. When God spoke, it accelerated everything so much. The other thing that we found strange but wonderful was that some people would come in with like, uh, they would be focused on a particular thing wrong with them which they'd write on their sheet, but they wouldn't bother writing down a number of other things. They just wouldn't even write them on the sheet. And then God would speak to us and, and tell us something, and we would say to the person, so I remember one lady, um, so do you have a problem with your womb? And she looked really shocked and said, well, yes, but I, I haven't written that down anywhere. And... And, and it's something which is preventing me having children. And it's one of the greatest desires of my heart, in fact, to have children. But I didn't come in for that today. So we're then able to say, well, if God's revealed that, we believe God wants to do something about that. Now, I can't finish that testimony <laughs> because I didn't see the lady again and I don't know. I'm just saying that's truthfully what happened and God revealed it. So we actually ended up with our own little poetical phrase that we used in the healing rooms. And it was simply this. What God reveals, he heals. Amen. Because it was just out of our experience. We, it was just such an obvious truth to us. So I would just love you to say that with me. Can we say that? What God reveals, he heals. It's just a truth. Now, here's the trainee bit. I would, I'm gonna, we're just going to do what we did a little earlier. We're going to take a minute with Holy Spirit. And we're just going to listen. And do you know what? It doesn't matter if you don't hear. You, you're just, I'm not going to pick on anyone. So... There's nothing to lose. We're all children of God. We all believe in the Son of God who is actually called in the Bible the Word. 
So it would be a little surprising if the word didn't know how to speak. So the word is here. (laughs) And he just wants to give you a word. He wants to reveal something simply that you don't know. He knows and he just wants to tell you. That's all. So we're going to listen for a minute. And then if anyone wants to be brave after a minute and say, well, this is what I think I've heard, then I'm going to give you opportunity. And I'm, go- I'm doing the same. And then uh, in about 10 minutes, we're going to pray based on the words and the things that God reveals to us. So I just think that's fun. <laughs> so I will say a little prayer for you. And for me, and then we'll, we'll have a moment of silence. So, Jesus, we just thank you so much. You gave us Holy Spirit. You said he would reveal things to us, things to come. And I just thank you that you're so willing to heal, and that what you reveal, you heal. So, we just enjoy your peace right now. We receive your goodness again. And we just say thank you for speaking to each one of us in the room. We're just going to listen to you for a moment to what you want to say. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love. love.